yeah, that was a lot of us <laughs> at Teen Challenge. Like Paul is, that's such an amazing story. Um, yeah, I'm Tara from Teen Challenge. Hi, thank you for having us. Um, we're going to start with some testimonies. So this is Justice, if she would come up and she'll start us off. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you all out today. Um, yeah, so my name is Justice. I'm 25 years old, and I'm a student at Teen Challenge. I've been here for about three and a half months now, and it has been a crazy tough journey, but also so enlightening and um, I'm beginning to see the future again for me. So just a little bit about myself and how I grew up. I was born and raised in Winnipeg. I was adopted at a young age by my grandparents. Um, childhood for me was homeschooled with ACE and you know, youth group on Fridays, Awanas on Wednesdays, church on Sundays. I was very much involved and um, had a love for Jesus growing up. And then I decided that I wanted to go to high school. So that happened. And high school was very, it was a lot to take in. It was um, a lot of worldly things I didn't anticipate. Um, so going through high school is a bit of a challenge for me and eventually I did fall into hanging out with the wrong crowd and um, doing things to please others and please myself instead of instead of God. Um, at the age of 17 I graduated high school and I decided that um, I'm an adult now and I was going to move to Toronto the day after I graduated and go to uh, college. So I did that. Um, life got, life went downhill pretty fast from there. I got involved in a lot of alcohol and drugs while I was there. And um, being involved in that type of lifestyle, things just start to spiral out of control very quickly. And I was focusing very hard on trying to fix everything myself instead of turning back to God and trying to rely on Him or get wisdom from, from that way. Um, I was in Toronto for about four years until I decided to move back to Winnipeg um, to try and fix all my problems. So I moved back to Winnipeg and as you can guess, my problems just kind of followed me. They didn't really go away or fix itself. So um, I was just caught up in a cycle of addiction and I didn't really know how to get out. Um, three years ago, I had my son, Carter, um, and slowly things started to, my perspective on life started to change. Um, I started to acknowledge my problem and that in order for my son to grow up and have a healthy lifestyle and love the Lord, I needed to change and I needed to get some help. So last year, uh, I would say around October, um, my biological mother had actually called for the first time in years and said, 
that she was kind of, you know, she's been in that same life. She's also an addict. She's been in that same lifestyle. And it was just, it was just a kind of like turning moment for me realizing like, oh, you know what? This is actually a generational cycle. Whether I wasn't raised by her or had any influence by her, this is kind of a generational thing that's going on here. So I decided that I would try and find treatment and get some help. Um, for months, I was calling multiple different treatment centers and I was just getting the runaround of, well, it's COVID, we'll put you on a waiting list. And I think the smallest wait time was about four to six months. And I just couldn't find help anywhere. And it was beginning to look very hopeless for myself, my son, my relationship with my partner, my grandparents. And I just felt like I had no hope. And then one day I can't even tell you how I heard of Teen Challenge. I called them up, or actually I didn't call them. I texted one of the sisters there, and she had texted back within, I think, like six hours and said, we can take you in six days or four days. And that in itself was just kind of like, okay, this is it. This is, this is the plan God has for me because considering months before and everything that was going just wasn't working so I got myself to teen challenge and as soon as I walked in the door of the center it was just such like a welcoming presence like you could you could feel God in there like I don't even know how to explain it it was overwhelming at first but you could just feel that this was a different vibe in that house and you know, I was like, this is it. This is where I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to complete this program. Um, going into TC um, in January, I did have a mindset of, okay, this is your program. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to become sober. I'm going to learn basic life skills and go about my life when I graduate in a year. Um, that has very much changed into a different perspective now. My perspective now is having a relationship with Jesus because having a relationship with God, all those problems will automatically figure itself out. You know, having a relationship with him, it's, it, just, it just changes everything. And now um, I just try to focus on walking in an intimate relationship with him and it's already changed so much in three months and the program we have at TC everything we do everything we do you have to have a mindset of walking with God the fruits of the spirit and all that good stuff um, so yeah I've, like I said I've only been here three months and the change that I've seen in myself it's like, it just makes me so excited and so happy and hopeful because I'm becoming that child again that I was when I was going to Awana and going to youth group and having that love for God again. And I actually know that I can do this through him. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's it, guys. <laughs> Thank you.
Yeah, I remember what was leading up to those times when she finally did text me. It was months of her family's prayers and reaching out to me. So little did she know they were waiting for her to be ready. And they were preparing the way and we were saving a bed and then bam, it was like it's time. And we brought her in and it's been great. So I'm so glad she's here. Um, welcome Sam as she comes to share. Hi everybody, um, my name is Samantha. I am sorry about that. I am 46 years old. Um, I have two wonderful children. When my daughter Sierra is 25 and my son Axel is six, and I am currently in my ninth month of program at Adult and Teen Challenge in Brandon. Um, just a bit of my backstory. I am. I was I grew up in a town, small town called Grand Ray, or better known as Grand Beach. So it was like pretty well known as a party place, and that's exactly what my family did. Um, my parents actually were teenagers when they had me, so I was left in care of my grandmother. Um, so that's who raised me. That's who I called mom. Um, I guess like when I was four. The, my uncles were having a party, and <clears throat> in result of that, one of my uncles was 17, he got shot, and he died in result of that. So I think uh, my family just really couldn't handle that trauma or know what to do with it, so they all, unfortunately, started self-medicating. So that's pretty much what I grew up in, like a lot of abuse, uh, addiction, dysfunction, so they just... Uh, thing 14, I was removed from the home and I went into foster care, which I stayed until I was 17. And at the age of 17, they put me on a program called Independent Living. I got my own apartment and I got a job working at a bar, actually a strip club. So that's kind of when drugs were introduced to me. Like, um, So I started using cocaine and drinking. So that continued on until I, I had my daughter when I was 21. Unfortunately, that was not enough to keep me sober. So yes, I just started to spiral then. At age 25, my mom ended up committing suicide. It was a pretty horrific way she actually burnt herself. So um, that's when things, I guess, got really bad for me. And I kind of like turned towards a drug called crystal meth, which is what I was addicted to for 18 years of my life. I struggled with that. Um, 2009, I was actually in a very bad car accident, too, which God saved me from. Like, he had a purpose for me. I just didn't know it then, right? I was ejected, like, 30 feet out of a car going 170, so, yeah, he saved me. I probably should not have survived. Unfortunately, what that led to was another addiction with opiates, right? So, yeah, I guess for 18 years, I struggled on and off both those drugs, and I just, like, felt that they were always bigger than me, stronger than me, and I was never, ever going to get free of them. But God had different plans for me. Uh, he's been so faithful to me, and just some of the things he's done or people he's placed in my life, are, it's just amazing, the works of what he does. Um, one of my best friends I was in addiction with for 18 years. He was... Uh, he phoned me one day and asked me if I had come to his graduation. 
It just happened to be a Teen Challenge graduation. So I went, and I remember uh, when he, his name was called up, or he's up there and he's worshiping the Lord, and he had his hand up in the air, and he's just like, I remember, I'll never forget the look on him of that peace and freedom and everything that he was feeling in that moment. I remember thinking, wow, I really, I, I want that. <laughs> I want that. I think God was trying to get my attention then, but unfortunately, I wasn't uh, listening. Anyways, the same friend told me later on that he actually prayed for me. For 18 months, he prayed for me every day. So a couple years go by, and well, this time God called and I answered. So like, I end up coming to Teen Challenge. Um, when I walked in the doors of Teen Challenge, I was like, my chains were many, and they were very heavy. Um, and instantly, though, I felt accepted, loved, and stronghold by stronghold. God freed me from it all. He, he freed me from that guilt and that shame. He, I felt forgiven um, and loved. And I was actually able to start forgiving people myself. Um, I no longer believe that I'm... Like, my identity is about, like, I'm defined by my addiction. I know now that I'm defined by who I am in him. Um, I, like, all the relationships I had before were codependence and just very unhealthy. Um, that's not how it is now. Right away, I was, like, I learned how to make friends based with trust and respect and love, and I have a great group of sisters who who just are so supportive, leaders that just, like, I, I don't know relationships like that. It's so amazing. Um, God has really blessed me in so many ways. He has restored a relationship. Um, my daughter did not talk to me probably for about 12 years. Couldn't even get her to talk to me. Couldn't get nothing unless I had to, like, corner her at, like, a, like a family function. But uh, within two months... She came and took me on my first pass at Teen Challenge. Like, that's amazing. That's what God did for me. Like, yeah. Um, I also placed, had to place my son in care uh, to come here. So I remember asking um, the CFS worker if he could be placed with a Christian family. And they said, no, you can't really, can't really do that. Well, God can, right? <laughs> He's like, the first family Axel got placed with, they were Christian. They taught my son how to pray and read the Bible. I mean, he prays in German, but I mean, it still counts, right? <laughs> then uh, they were going to move him out to Boisevain, and I remember feeling really uh, anxious about it. So, you know, like I surrender, but I picked it back up. And I was like, I don't know, God, this just doesn't feel right because he was settled. But I prayed about it, and I don't know, this just peace came over me. So I felt like, okay, this must be his will. And he actually got placed in even a better place. He lives now with a pastor of the Mennonite Brethren Church in Boisemain. He lives on a hobby farm. He's got goats and horses and chickens and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what else? Uh, and the best thing that God has actually done for me is... Uh, giving me back my joy. <laughs> you know, early on in program, and I think my third month, we went to a prayer summit. And it was amazing. I was watching men worship God and just seeing, like, 
there's so much love there. And one of the one of my leaders asked me, like, what was uh, what was what was your favorite moment of the whole the prayer summit? I could have said I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and got the gift of tongues, but no, that wasn't it. My best time is I flipped the canoe with one of my sisters. Actually, after we got in the canoe and some of the men from the men's center were helping us, and I was like, tell them, no, I don't need your help. I'm a really good canoeer. Like, first paddle, we flipped the boat in freezing cold water. <laughs> and I laughed so hard. We both laughed so hard. Like, probably for a half hour, I laughed. And that was amazing to me. God gave gave that back to me, right? Something I so long ago forgot. So, um, yeah, every day I thank him. If it wasn't his mercy and his grace and his love, I would not be here alive today sharing my testimony with you. So I'm just going to leave you with the verse. It's John 16, 33. I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Well, I'm just going to give a couple um, announcements about how Teen Challenge is doing and how we're changing things. And um, I'll tell you first a little bit about myself. You guys might, I was here about two years ago, and I had my little, I think she was about six months old then. So she's two now. We've got another one on the way. Little baby in there, yep. Um, and my husband is from Ben Scarth, so he went through Teen Challenge in Winnipeg about eight years ago. I went through Teen Challenge in Florida, Pensacola. I'm from Mississippi, um, about eight years ago. And we met at a Teen Challenge Bible School in Georgia, and then moved to Thunder Bay, helped open a Super Thrift, and then moved to Brandon, and now he manages Super Thrift in Brandon. We helped open that one, and I get to direct the women's home, which is amazing. Um, that God has done so much because we were both, you know, in that drug addiction for years, and now we're we're homeowners, we are um, leaders, and we're pouring into lives, and we're parents, and God is just amazing, done amazing things in our lives. Um, so, yeah, just a little bit about what recently is happening with Teen Challenge. Um, we have a women's home. And then next door to it is part of an old house that was part of the old women's home that we've renovated, put a bathroom on, and now graduates can live in there with their children. So we have right now one mom and her three-year-old daughter, and they're from Alberta, so it's amazing. They can stay, and she's in training to become staff. Um, so that's really cool, and we're hoping you know more moms and kids can stay with us instead of have to go straight back to wherever they came from, or even in town, where they're just less accountable and less supported. Um, but now we're starting to prepare for our pigs. We'll have 10 little piglets come soon and a big garden for veggies. We'll start with a little garden this year and then next year move to a big garden. For you guys, it's probably a tiny garden, but for us, it'll be big. Um, yeah, and then actually right on Wednesday, we're doing a training. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Tim Fletcher, but he does... Um, some trainings for people for complex trauma and addiction. And so we're having some of our graduates do that training, and me and my husband, and we're going to start doing small groups with that curriculum, where normally we do living free, which is really good and biblical-based, but we have people coming off the streets to these groups and people from churches, um, but they don't always have a Bible. I've never opened a Bible, so it's kind of slowly transitioning where in the group we open the Bible and stuff, but it's not 
just a Bible study. It's a lot more focused on the addiction part too. Um, so next week we're starting a group for men, a group for women, and then a group for parents or loved ones that have someone in addiction. So we're really excited about that. Um, and at the bottom of our super thrift, we're starting what we call a freedom church. So it'll be Sunday night um, church service for the people that are going to our groups or the people that are just homeless or in addiction in town or anybody that wants to come. But the idea is that we can bring the gospel to this um, community that comes to our Freedom Church. It's just downtown Brandon. So it's um, gonna be a really good uh, evangelism place, you know, where we can reach people on the streets and in the thrift store. They come, we share the gospel. Hopefully they get saved, come to our groups, we can disciple them and, you know, it might lead to them coming to our program or getting saved and clean and not having or needing to come to the program. Um, so we're really excited about that. So that's a big renovation that we'll do in the bottom of the store to start the small group buildings. The, we'll have a little stage and offices. And then, yeah, I think the last thing is um, just how you guys can join us. You're already doing amazing. Um, I think this, since I've been in Brandon for four years, every year we come. And it's always great. Um, I think every year it's a little different. This year with COVID, it's very different. Um, but I remember when I came last time, we had a great fellowship afterwards in the basement and all had meals together, and it was so nice. Um, but yeah, prayer is always needed for our staff, Surge, and students. Surge are the graduates in training to become staff. Um, I can just say it's a spiritual warfare <laughs> with all of this, so we always need prayer. Um, and then also our super thrift, um, we can use volunteers if anybody's ever like in Brandon for a week or something. Um, and then also you could just, if you're coming through Brandon, bring your clothes. I think, I don't think that we have a bin here, a clothing bin. So if you ever come through Brandon or next time we come to the church, you guys could bring clothing donations or knickknacks, you know, whatever your um, gent gently used items that you're not using anymore. Um, and then you could also donate a vehicle. So if you're getting a new vehicle, don't know what to do with your old one, we'll give you a tax receipt and take care of it for you. Either fix it and sell it or scrap it or use it. Um, so that's an option. And then, yeah, there's financially, you can become a monthly partner. Um, these little pamphlets talk about our finances and just different, you know, ways to get involved. And they have a monthly partner or one-time gift option on there. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes we have students come that can't afford the admissions fee. So um, if you want to give towards that, um, it's typically $1,000, but sometimes we ask churches, hey, can you just give a couple hundred towards it? And we hope that the applicant will put in a little buy-in. This is their only payment for the whole program, so if they can fund, you know, get a little bit of finances, they might um, take it more seriously. Um, and the last thing is um, meat and produce. We can always use food. You know, we always have people. So, um, yeah, you guys are amazing. We thank you for all that you're already doing with us. Um, I'll go ahead and give it over to Pastor Terry to share the word for all of us. Well, good morning, everybody. Online or in person. What a great, I, I, the, the song that we were singing, You Are a Faithful God, what a great and excellent choice of song this morning, because God is on your side. Can I just remind you of that this morning? Um, you know, Sam and, and, and uh, Justice, what powerful stories of the fact that God has not abandoned us. Uh, never once did you walk alone, Sam. 
You know, and, and the interesting thing is I grew up in a setting where actually they, uh, they, now this is true, maybe some of you know people like this, but they actually believed that God just spoke German, by the way. That's what, <laughs> we, I, I grew up in a very conservative setting, and that's what we believed. And, and it's funny how we think things about God, right? And um, what, a, what a powerful, what a powerful, um, I hope you're glad you came to church this morning, whether it's in person or virtual, if you're watching. And um, I was so encouraged this morning because I met, I met uh, Dennis, and uh, I met, well, there's just an amazing story of, of uh, someone, a loved one of yours that came into the Winnipeg program, and, uh, and he's doing well right now, and we just praise the Lord with you. We praise the Lord with you this morning. And uh, I know that I, I, it, it proves to me that, that uh, Adult and Teen Challenge Ministry is making an impact in Killarney and in this region, and uh, we, we are so grateful that we were able to come here this morning. Um, Sometimes I'm reminded that I'm, it, um, I don't introduce myself sometimes, so my name is Terry Thiessen and I'm the uh, ministry pastor for Adult and Teen Challenge of Central Canada, and uh, what a privilege for us to be here this morning and to hear these, these powerful um, stories, because this is what it's about this morning, and since our, since our morning is about um, stories, I want to take us to a powerful one in the Bible, because because just like, um, you know, the interesting thing, and, and, and I hadn't heard your stories before this morning, uh, both of you, and the, the interesting thing and, and is that um, this story, just like the Bible story, you guys came from such different settings. You guys, Grand Marais, you know that the, there's a team from Winnipeg that's going to be at, at the Grand Marais Church next weekend, actually. And uh, we need to get you there some. I, we'll talk about that later, but to share your, your testimony. But, but what an amazing um, thought. Just think about this this morning. And this morning, I want to talk to you about level ground. That's what, um, you know what, I forgot my clicker down there. Don't you just love clickers? <laughs> and it works too. Um, this, this, since this morning is about stories, I want to take us to an amazing story. And it's actually two stories that are, that are meshed into one and, and how two very different worlds came together at the foot of Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So turn with me this morning on, uh, to Luke chapter 8, verse 40 to 56. And uh, just read this this morning with me, the, the, this powerful story. And, and um, just like this morning, we heard about two women that were on very different journeys. They came from very different places. And yet one day they found themselves in exactly the same place. And it's called desperation. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a place where you don't know what to do? You know, I think about so many times in the Bible we read about stories. In fact, King Jehoshaphat probably said it the very best when he was faced with his big enemy. He said in his prayer to the Lord, he said, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. And that's all you can do sometimes. And I like the way that you guys shared that, that when you're in your darkest moment, when you're in your most desperate situation, all you have is a look to Jesus. That's all you have. And so um, in, in Luke chapter 8... Let's read these two stories within one story. And just like with Sam and Justice this morning, it's about two people that, from different walks that found themselves by accident or by providence, you decide, in exactly the same place this morning. Luke 8, verse 40. On the other side of the lake 
crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. And then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. Now, let me pause for one moment this morning. Keep your Bible open there or your Bible app or whatever you're on. And here's what I love to do when we are reading these stories. I love to remind our students and our teams. I love to remind them. And so I'll remind you of the same thing this morning. When you're reading a story like this, let's pretend that we don't know the end. Let's pretend that we are in the action right there. Because so often we know the ending, and what happens is it reduces the power of the story. Because we know what happened, you know? If it's the Lazarus story, we know he raised from the dead. If it's the, this, this story or that story. But just imagine that you don't know the ending, and you are part of this dramatic experience that is happening right in front of our eyes here this morning. So imagine that you are Luke, who's writing this down, and you're trying to, to um, grasp the, 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 the drama, but more importantly, the power that's about to unfold here. It says in verse 43, so we're reading this and we don't know what happens, right? It says, a woman was in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. You know, why are you asking a question like that? But Jesus said, Somebody deliberately touched me, for I felt the healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and she fell on her, to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him. And that she had been immediately healed. Verse 48, he says, daughter, isn't that great? He, he recognized her as a daughter. You know, maybe you feel like you've been an orphan your whole life. Maybe you feel like you're not sure which direction you're going. Sam shared about that. You know, you don't know which direction you are. And the moment that you meet Jesus, you find out you're a daughter. And you find out that you're a son. And that you are legitimate. And that you are his. And he says, daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 49, while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And the, the story takes a dramatic, sad turn here because he says, he says the, the, the messenger comes to, to them in this, this, this group of people and he says, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus, when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith and she will be healed. And when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in except Peter, John, and James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with weeping and wailing. But he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead, she's only asleep. Back then, the word asleep when someone had died, was, it was a euphemism for death. That was the cultural way that they, they talked about people that had that died. They said, asleep. But Jesus was talking in a supernatural way, right? Because, because he was saying that she had fallen asleep and that she was going to be raised up, even though 
the situation seemed impossible. Have you ever been in a situation like that where it seemed impossible, where it seemed like the person that you are praying for, the the person that you are pleading in front of God for every single day, there is no hope, there is no movement, and it is completely hopeless. And then Jesus shows up and everything changes. And it says the crowd laughed at him in verse 53, because they all knew that she had died. And then Jesus took her by the hand and he said in a loud voice, he didn't need to, but I think he wanted everyone to hear it outside of the room. What do you think? I think he wanted everyone in the house to hear this. And he said, he said, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned. And she immediately stood up. And then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed. No kidding, right? You know, if, you're, if you have a, a Bible or, or even if you're reading in an app, just tap it and highlight that little part there because, because you know, I, 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 think, I think in my Bible I have a little note there that says, no kidding, they were overwhelmed. They, they were beyond overwhelmed. You know what, it, Dennis, you know what it's like when, when a loved one comes back to life and they were dead. Paul writes, we were dead in our transgressions, but thanks be to God. Amen. And at that moment her life returned, she immediately stood up and Jesus told them to give her something to eat. And her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. This morning, just picture this scenario with with me this morning and with us this morning. Let's go to the culture here this morning because I've, I've often heard it said very wisely that if you have a text but you don't put it into context then it's just a pretext, okay? Now that's a lot of fancy words, but what that basically means is that if you take a Bible verse and you just use it for your own purpose, but you don't understand why it was written, to whom it was written, and where it was written, and in which culture it was written, then it just becomes something that backs your own opinion instead of the word speaking for itself. So, so let's not let this be a pretext, but let's go into the culture for a moment here this morning, and let's take a look at Jairus for a second this morning. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind, of, um, it's kind of ironic that Jairus and this woman ended up in the same place at the same time in the same level of desperation. Do you know that this morning, do you know that um, with, with Jesus... You're on level ground. Did you know that? We have people in our program from so many different places, from so many different walks of life, from so many different um, scenarios and, and socioeconomic backgrounds, and yet it doesn't matter where you're from when you need something, when you're desperate. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? that um, now, now, let me just explain this for a second. Now, um, on the far left is actually Aaron's, Aaron, uh, uh, Tara's husband that she was talking about. And that's a, a bunch of ladies from our team. And on the right is Malia, who's our latest graduate. And she graduated last Sunday. And, and so, and so what, the reason I point that out is because, is because with Jesus, so many different places come together. And so many different um, backgrounds find themselves in the same place of needing something bigger and needing something more, right? And so it says, it says that Jairus comes up to Jesus and his daughter was sick. I mean, really sick. You know, it, he had to probably swallow a lot of pride because what kind of, what kind of uh, um, job did he have? 
it says he was a leader in the synagogue. Now, if you were in Jewish times, so let's go into that culture, that meant that you carried status, you carried influence, you carried resources, you got whatever you wanted when you were a leader in the synagogue because you, you had the influence to be able to get whatever you wanted. Here's the problem. His daughter was sick and no one could help him. And so he came to the only place, the only place where he thought there was a chance. Maybe you've been there before. You need help beyond what your title can get you. You need help beyond what your resources can buy. But he knew where to go. And he needed help beyond what his title said. It's kind of ironic that a Jewish leader would ask Jesus for help, right? Because Jewish leaders didn't like Jesus for the most part, but yet here he was. That shows you how desperate he was. Not many Jews in religious circles embraced Jesus. He was a threat to them, but he gets Jesus' attention and they start heading that way, but they get interrupted. So let's go to the other story. It says that a woman with bleeding issues, she pressed through and she touched Jesus. It says that she had suffered for 12 years. So, so 12 years of suffering. Now, let's put that in context this morning. And if, and if you don't mind, I'd like to speak very frankly this morning. And let's look at the culture. If she had issues of bleeding, that means that there was probably something re possibly relating to a menstrual-related type of illness that she had. And, and so what does that tell you immediately about the culture? Well, if you look in the Old Testament, that meant that, that she was unclean and that she wasn't able to touch people, <laughs> right? And that she wasn't able to have any relationships. And here she was with whatever issue she had been struggling with for 12 years, which means that for 12 years, there was nobody of significance in her life. There was nobody that she could connect with. There was nobody that she could, that she could walk with in life. There was, it said that she had tried to get help and there was no one that could help her. And so here she was, an unclean person touching Jesus. There's a lot wrong with that picture. And yet, there's so much that's right about it. And so this morning, what I love about this story is you have somebody that was completely unclean in the Jewish culture, and you have somebody that was a leader in the Jewish culture, and yet they were both equally desperate. And they both came to the exact same spot. Imagine what she was living through. Imagine the broken person that she was, pushing through the crowd, praying in her heart that she could meet the man that could heal. That's what she knew. Powerful. And now these two lives have intersected with each other. And they had probably never met each other. Or at least didn't ever expect to meet like this. And she pushes through. And she reaches to Jesus and touches him. And, and she just, well actually just his clothing but it was her faith that healed her. Jesus said that. It's not me. I, I find it kind of offensive as a grown-up Mennonite to, to, to know that someone should have that much faith you know, for healing. You know, it's just kind of the culture that, we've grew, that I've grown up in. And, and yet, here it is, Jesus himself saying that her faith has healed her because she believed so strongly that he was the answer. But the problem was, as soon as this encounter had happened, they find out that Jairus' daughter has died. 
And so there's another, there's a new problem here because now it's the unclean person that has, that has created a problem for the, for the person of means. But there was something else that they had in common. They both came to Jesus. They had both heard of Jesus from different angles. And yet they both knew that he was their answer. Can I just talk this morning to somebody that might feel like they're at a last resort? Maybe there's a desperation in your journey right now. Maybe you're watching at home on your couch. Or maybe you're still in your pajamas. But there's a desperation in your place right now. Finances maybe are impossible. Maybe there is a health issue that is impassable. Maybe there is a family member or loved one that is impossible. Can I remind you that at Jesus you're on level ground? In this, in this short time to close here this morning, I want to tell you about a few things that have struck me coming out of this story that, that if, if you... Um, I, I like to bring out a few points and that's what I'm going to do this morning. I feel like I'm picking on the few people that are in this room because I, you know, usually it would be a little fuller in here. But, but you're representing everybody else that's virtually joining us. But the first thing that I just want to tell you this morning is that there's, even though there's two different paths, there's one common denominator. And so with Jesus, you're on level ground. Can I tell you that this morning? You know, it doesn't matter... Um, there's, no, there's no greater single equalization factor in all of God's kingdom than the cross of Jesus Christ, the foot of the cross, where he paid that price. We, we remembered that last month or earlier this month. He paid the price he did not owe. And I owed the price that I could not pay. You see the problem here? But do you see the solution? No one in the entire world has enough influence to gain an advantage or favor over another person. No one has enough political pull to have any sort of preferred seating at the table of grace. Isn't it good to know that you are loved without reservation? But more than that, Jesus doesn't care about your background or your social status. He cares about you. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 30 says it really well. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you more stress. No, that's not what it says. I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. The second thing I want to tell you this morning is that it's more than just good theory. This, this idea of Jesus, you can talk about it, but you need to do it. And um, he wants to take the heavy things that you're carrying right now, but it will only be theory unless you actually release it to him. I've seen this so many times in our chapel services, and I've experienced it with you guys in chapel, where, where we, we actually have times where we, we physically will write something down so that we can release it. You know, sometimes we need to do that. I've done that times in my life where I say, Lord, this is my burden, but I'm releasing it to you. And I, and I release it in a, you know, whether I write it down so that I can give it up to him or whatever it is. But it's so hard to practice it, right? It sounds good in words. But we need to give our situation to him. Jesus, I give you this. 
I give you my loved one. I give you my financial impossibility right now. I give you my guilt. And I deliberately choose each day to trust you in this. I will not obsess about it. I will not dwell on it. And I will not rehash it every day. Because if I've given it to you, then I'm leaving it with you. And I'm ready to be led by you to get out of this situation, whatever it is. The third thing is probably my favorite thing is just simply this. Be willing to do what it takes. You know, you know what I love about the story of the woman being healed? She literally did what it took to get to Jesus. She literally did it. Can I tell you, um, there is, there, there is um, I, I don't, I, I lit, unless, you, unless your last name is Hyde, my dad said that if your last name is Hyde, there's a chance that I'm actually related to you. He told me, he prepared me like a good Mennonite for the service this morning. And so some people are laughing because maybe yeah, you're related to a Hyde. We'll talk later. We'll find our connection, right? The, but we'll play that game. But, but unless, um, what, what, I love, what I love about this encounter that the woman had with Jesus was that she was willing to do what it takes to get there. You know, in our program, there, there's, there's nobody, in my opinion, in this room that has more courage than the two ladies that you've heard from this morning. Because, because not only did they find themselves at the end, but they came and they were willing to admit that they needed something greater than themselves. And, and so I honor the courageous nature of going in front of people to to air it all out like that. That's a lot of courage. And if you, you know, if you can give them an air five later or something like that, because, because it's courage, right? It's courageous. And I just, I like to take a moment to honor that. But they, but there's so much more than that because when you come into adult and teen challenge, you know, there's a lot of things that you do that you never thought you would do. And, and you, you have to give up your cell phone. Hello? My cell phone is never more than 12 inches from me, right? You know, you have to give up, you have to give up your right to sleep in every day. You get up at, what do they, when do we get up? 6 a.m. I think that's when we left this morning. <laughs> 6 o'clock every single day. And, and you have a lot of your personal decisions taken away from you. And someone else tells you when you're going to eat. And someone else says, this is when we're going to study this evening. And this is what we're going to do. And we're going to work all day. And we're going to, we're going to find our purpose in, in, in God and all of these things. And you know what I find? I don't find a lot of complaints in those things. And I'll tell you why. Because I find that when somebody is desperate, they will do whatever it takes. And so I want to encourage you to do the same thing this morning. And so, full circle here this morning as we prepare to close, I want to, take, I want to take you back to where we started this morning with Sam and with Justice. People from very different places, people from such different economic and uh, Winnipeg and Grand Marais. I've been to both places. They're different from each other, believe me. They're different from each other. And yet here you are as sisters meeting Jesus. Such a different journey. But you made a decision to follow Jesus. So let me leave you with this this morning. He will do it. He will do it. And, and, and there's, there's probably no, more, no, no greater thing that you will find in your life. No greater thing than a Savior who keeps his word.
bet you, you you guys knew a few people in your life that didn't keep their word. And maybe that was us too at one point. But then we found a Savior who never lied. He never turned his back on us. He never double-crossed us. In fact, his promise to us is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Do you think the woman that got healed, just a little side that I just thought of, do you think the woman that got healed by Jesus expected to be called daughter when he was done? When she, when she was healed? No, she just wanted to be healed. But he did more. He called her a daughter. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I'm going to give it back to, um, to whomever this morning. We, 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 um, but but can, I just, can I take the liberty to pray this morning as we close? Um, uh, Father, I just, um, this morning, with, um, with, with the, the hybrid nature of this service where some people are here in person, but, but many are represented online and they're watching. Father, I pray that right now, we would all be reminded that you never social distance from us, Lord. You never bring yourself and, and drive yourself away from us, but you always draw yourself closer, Lord. We don't need to wear a mask when we come to you, God. We don't need to hide ourselves and who we really are because you already see us. You see right through our masks, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray for someone right now that is in pain underneath the virtual mask or the, 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 the imaginary mask that they are wearing, Lord. And it looks like they're always happy, but Lord, there's pain on the inside. I pray over their situation right now, Lord. I pray over someone that is, that is struggling through day by day, trying to make it work through a, a, a situation that the world has not seen in many, many years. Father, I pray that you would give peace right now over a troubled and embattled soul that might be listening to this this morning, Father. I pray that you would remind us that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, and you have answers to all of our questions. Thank you for your grace, and thank you for your love. And Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. And I pray that you would touch everyone, whether they are watching virtually or whether they are here in person, that you would give them a love beyond any understanding and remind them that you have never left us and you will never forsake us. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for, for having our team here this morning. And um, I'm not sure who, who the service, is it back to you? We're not sure. Pray even better. What a great way to end. Let's praise the Lord together.